Welcome to Truth Time, where you'll get a shot of the truth with no chaser. And now your Truth Time host, Trey Searcy. Hello and welcome as we launch another Truth Time radio transmission. We'll teach you how to identify errors that are still being taught. Many slavish traditions have perverted simple Bible truths, preventing lost people from being saved and saved people from coming to a full understanding of their Bible. So many today are confused about their salvation. These are listeners who attend church, but are confused about how to be saved. I guess with uh, over 20,000 denominations in the world, it, it really shouldn't surprise us that so many are confused about how to be saved. Something that is really simple. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, we find these words. I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Key word there, simplicity. You see, the gospel should be presented in a simple way. It's clear, straightforward, obvious, conclusive, distinct, highly visible, and easily understood. Okay, welcome back. Both of our contestants are giving it a red-hot go tonight as we test their knowledge of the infallible, inerrant, and non-contradictory Word of God. And a couple of quality contestants we have tonight, Craig and Ken. Craig in the lead so far, but let's see what happens in this next round. I'll be asking a question and giving you both a chance to respond to see if you come up with the same answer. Ready, Ken? You bet. And Craig? Let's go. Okay, it's question three. Can salvation be attained by works? Yes, Craig. No, a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Okay, and Ken? Well, I'm afraid Craig's correct, and I'm going to have to differ with him on this one, and instead go with what Jesus said. Namely, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Yes, but a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. You see, then, that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Both correct once again, somehow or other. And now for our final question for this round. Did you notice that contestant number one, Craig, quoted what Christ revealed to Paul after the cross, while contestant number two, Ken, differed with him by quoting Jesus before the cross. Did you then notice that contestant number one, Craig, quotes another verse that Christ revealed to Paul after the cross, while Ken once again disagreed, this time by quoting James? <laughs> you see, folks, this is a good example of what not rightly dividing the word of truth will always lead to. Confusion and division. 20,000 plus and counting denominations. We would be correct to say that not rightly dividing will divide. The Bible says that Paul is your apostle. There's no way around it. The Bible says that Christ revealed information to him that had been hid, kept secret, not revealed to anyone else prior to being given to Paul. This is why you must understand Paul's letters first in order to then gain an understanding of the rest of the Bible. What does Paul write to us in 2 Timothy 2.7? He says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. This entire book will begin to open up to you if you can just get this. Mixing your works with God's grace for your salvation makes about as much sense as the guy who came up with the idea to take several homes, put them all together, and call them apartments. Question, is works required for you to be saved? If someone asked you that question today, what would your answer be? Well, the answer is yes. 
It's just not your works. Jesus did all the work necessary for you to be saved. What was the last thing Jesus said in John 19.30? It is finished. Now the mystery, the mystery of what Christ finished, what he accomplished on your behalf, a Gentile, was only later revealed to the Apostle Paul, and is why Paul wrote that he is our Apostle, the Apostle of the Gentiles. Does your salvation have a price tag on it? Yes, and you can't afford it. Salvation was so expensive that it cost Jesus his everything. Salvation is not free. It's just free to you. And it's only free to you because the price has already been paid. He purchased the gift and gave it to you. Some religious people will actually die never claiming their free gift. Lost for all eternity because they insisted on doing something for a gift that cannot be earned, cannot be bought. You cannot purchase something that you can't afford. And more importantly, it's not for sale. Your salvation was bought, paid for by Christ, and he only offers it as a gift. The only question is, will you, by faith, accept the gift? Another common question we get here at Truth Time is, can you lose your salvation? What is your answer? Can you lose your salvation? Well, the answer is yes. If it were up to you. If after being saved, your salvation depended on you, then yes, you could lose it. However, the fact of the matter is, it's not. It's not up to you. Your religious denominational tradition may say that it is, but the Bible says otherwise. Philippians chapter 1 verses 3 to 6. Listen to the book. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Don't miss this next statement. Here's the answer to the question, can you lose your salvation? Verse 6, being confident that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You've got to get that. Again, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he, that's the Spirit of God, not you, which hath begun a good work, in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? Who will perform it? He will. And you're saved for how long? Until the day of Jesus Christ. Not until the day you sin again. <laughs> Does your salvation depend on performance? Absolutely. Does your salvation depend on your performance? Absolutely not. Do you believe the verse I just read? If so, you should never allow anyone to ever make you question your salvation again. You should lie down at night and wake up every morning knowing that you're a saved child of God and that no sin can ever affect where you will spend eternity. What's the first two words of Philippians 1.6? Being confident. Confident in who? Yourself? No, don't pervert the word of God. It plainly says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. 
Okay, it's break time, but when I return, I'm going to reveal to you something you can say the next time you speak with someone who thinks that a saved person can lose their salvation. Back in a moment with more truth time because there's no better time for truth than right now. There's a darkened sky before me. There's no time to prepare. Saw that you lost horizon. But no regrets from me. Hurry time, no disgrace. Instead of racing to conclusion, wishing all my life away. No one can stop me now. No more Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were all meant to shine as children do. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we are liberated from our own fear. Our presence automatically liberates others. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, I am a boat rocker. Okay, we're back with more Truth Time. Telephone lines are open 706-861-0800 or toll-free 1-888-988-9562. Leave your questions and comments on the voicemail. We'll get to them as soon as possible. All right, here's something you can say to someone who thinks that a saved person can lose their salvation. You know the ones I'm speaking of. The ones who say, yes, I believe that Christ died for my sins and salvation is by grace through faith and not of works. But in their next breath, they'll tell you that if you do this or that or don't do this or that, you'll lose your salvation. Okay, here's what you ask them. Do you believe that salvation is by grace through faith and not of works? They say, yes. Do you believe that you can lose your salvation? They again say, yes. Here's your next question. The nail in the coffin. So how can you get it back? Come on, some of you who believe that salvation is part you, part God, are listening to me right now. It's a simple question. If you believe that salvation is by grace, which is the opposite of works, Romans 11:6 then please tell me, how can a person who loses their salvation at that time get it back? You see, folks, you can't believe both. It's one or the other. A person who believes that you can lose your salvation is a person who also believes that salvation is not of faith, but of works, and that you must do works to get back what you lost. 
What does Paul write in 2 Corinthians 4.3? He said, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Here's a verse that Satan has blinded many from sin today. Romans 5.18 Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, let's stop right there. The righteousness of how many? One. Not your righteousness. No, that would be two. You and Jesus. Salvation comes by the righteousness of Jesus alone. He's the one that the verse is speaking of. Let's continue. The free gift, please get that, folks. The free gift came upon all. Okay, now there you are. You're not the one that is righteous, but you are a part of the all that receives the free gift. Let's read on. Unto justification of life. So you and I have been made righteous by the only righteous one. He, Christ, did everything necessary for you to be saved, having justification of life. And he now offers this free salvation gift to anyone who will, by faith, not works, receive it. Don't lift a finger for this free gift. You're doing something will destroy it from being a free gift, making it a earned gift, which is no gift at all. You don't pray a prayer, walk an aisle, join a church, confess your sins to get forgiveness. All those things are something involving you. And Ephesians 2.8 says that salvation has nothing to do with you. Remember, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Many of you have had a religious experience. Walking the aisle, kneeling at the altar getting water baptized and joining the church. You've asked for forgiveness of your sins. You've confessed your sins, repented and turned so you don't get burned from your sins. You've asked Jesus into your heart, turned over a new leaf or two or three, or perhaps the whole tree. And after all this, if you were to die today, you would die unsaved not having trusted in what Christ did alone, all by himself as being enough to save you. Satan had a two-for-one sale on lies, and your emotions told you to go stand at the front of the line. You don't think that what he did on the cross was good enough. Sadly, you think he needs your help. You're not a co-maker with Jesus. After so many years of being told something that never was, as if it were, the if it were that never was became true to you. What must you do to be saved? Look at Acts chapter 16 verses 30 and 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Stop for a moment and just think. When asked by the jailer, what must I do to be saved, Paul never gave him anything to do but rather something to believe. You can see someone do something, but I've never in my life seen anyone believe something, and neither have you. Oh, you may see the results of someone believing something, but we have never and never will see anyone believe something. That, of course, is an impossibility considering we don't have the power to see inside someone. Religion always provides its blind zombie followers various things to do. If you're trusting in the faith plus works gospel for your salvation, 
you're lost. Now that you've understood that salvation is not according to what you do, but what you believe, the question still on the table is, believe what? The answer is the gospel, the good news. Paul was the first to proclaim that salvation is a free gift and that Jesus at no time will redeem his gift. Jesus is the grace giver, and Paul is the grace apostle set forth to write down the doctrines for the church, the body of Christ. Romans 11:13. The Lord Jesus Christ has done everything necessary for your salvation, leaving nothing left for you to do, but rather something for you to believe. In Ephesians 1.13, we learn of three things that happens at the moment of our salvation. We first hear the gospel. Secondly, we believe the gospel. And thirdly, at that very moment, the Holy Spirit seals us. For how long? Ephesians 4.30 says, Unto the day of redemption, not until your next sin. According to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, salvation is the gift of eternal life from Jesus Christ to you. And you are aware that if you do something for a gift, it's no longer a gift, right? The gift of eternal life is yours by grace, and grace is undeserved and unmerited. If you just believe the Bible, you'll see that according to Romans 3:24 and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, verse 8, and verse 9, it's through faith in what God declared was done for you through Jesus Christ that saves today. It's not what you do that will save or keep you saved. That would be probation, not salvation. It's what you believe. God requires your trust in Christ alone for your salvation. Salvation is by works, but not yours. Trusting in even one of your filthy rags works signifies that you've rejected the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ has done the work necessary for you. I mean, really, come on. Ask yourself if there's something you have done or can do to earn, deserve, or keep your salvation. Or is it by God's grace, unearned and undeserved, that saves and keeps you saved today? Attempting to work for your salvation or performing a work to keep your salvation is nothing more than a blatant rejection of God's free, amazing grace. Those that work for it never get it. Romans chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, chapter 10, verses 1 to 4, chapter 11, verse 6, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 9, chapter 2, verse 21, chapter 5, verse 4, and Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 to 9. And the truth shall set you free! Stay tuned. Truth Time will be right back. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? It is all around us. Even now, in this very room, 
You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave like everyone else. You were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. <sighs> Unfortunately, no one can be told you have to see it for yourself. Okay, we're back on Truth Time. Got some calls coming in asking questions. If you've got a question or comment, you can call 706-861-0800 or toll-free 1-888-988-9562. You may also go to our website, truthtimeradio.com. If you only catch part of the show and want to get the rest, go to the on-demand link and there you can listen to the archives. I want to share a poem that was sent in by a Truth Time listener. It started out, innocently enough, I began to think at parties now and then, just to loosen up and be part of the crowd. Inevitably, though, one thought led to another, and soon I was more than just a social thinker. I began to think alone. Thinking became more and more important to me, and finally, I was thinking all the time. This soon led to me becoming a thinkaholic. At work, I began to avoid friends at lunchtime so I could read the Bible and think. It was then when I realized that most of what I heard at church was tradition and not adding up with the Bible. I was left dizzied and confused, asking, what's going on here? When I started to think at church is when things began to sour. I knew that thinking in church didn't mix, but I couldn't help myself. For the next several Sundays, I began to ask questions in Sunday school class, and finally one Sunday, my pastor called me into his office. He said, I like you and everything, and it pains me to have to say this, but your thinking has become a real problem. If you don't stop thinking here at church, you'll just have to find another one. It was as if he wanted me to start attending Thinkers Anonymous or something, where maybe I'd soon become a recovering thinker and return to church. I soon left that church and began attending a Bible church that centered around rightly dividing the word of truth. There, my thinking is not only welcome, it's actually encouraged. <laughs> Thanks for the poem, and if you've got anything you would like to send our way, go to the website, truthtimeradio.com. You know, one major error that religious denominations teach is how to water down sin. They've taught you that if you stop sinning, you can be right with God. Listen, while working on being a better person is all well and good, sin is much more than what you do or don't do. Sin is much more than bad behavior or bad habits. Sin is not just something you commit here and there. Sin is the very nature of man, the very nature of a woman. You were born into sin. You were born with a sin nature. And here's a news flash for you. Anyone born with a sin nature can never be in the presence of a holy God. So what are you going to do? Stopping your sin won't cut it. 
it isn't good enough. If you stopped sinning today, you wouldn't be any more saved than you were yesterday. Think of it this way. For 33 years, Christ lived a life that you could not live. He was sinless. Then he died a death that you could not die to give you forgiveness. To pay the price for your sins that you could not pay. The price was too expensive. And he came up out of a grave that you could not get out of because you're powerless. Now that's good news. That's the gospel. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You may not realize it, but by being here, you have already made the first step. In the outside world, lying is an essential skill. But here, I'm going to be asking you to tell the truth. Not just some of the time. Not just most of the time but all of the time. Here, there is no need to present a false face to the world. This has been Truth Time with Trey Searcy. Visit our website at truthtimeradio.com. Until next time, remember, when a man who is honestly mistaken hears the truth, he will either quit being mistaken or cease to be honest.